The Permian Basin is an abundant oil and gas producing area. Already one of the world's leading oil producing regions, the area in West Texas and southeastern New Mexico will continue to be America's main source for energy independence. But who are the leaders behind this economic powerhouse? And what is their story? This is Permian Perspective Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Escamilla. Today's show is sponsored by NOV. NOV delivers technology-driven solutions to empower the global energy industry for more than 150 years. NOV has pioneered innovations that enable its customers to safely produce abundant energy while minimizing environmental impact. The energy industry depends on NOV's deep expertise in technology to continually improve oil field operations and assist in efforts to advance the energy transition towards a more sustainable future. NOV powers the industry that powers the world. Coming up later in our show, we have a giveaway announcement from our sponsor. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode. I'm sitting here this afternoon in Midland, Texas with Marlea Sleeman, and Marlea is the president of Catapult Solutions. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. Came all the way from Canada, and you had no idea you were going to be on a podcast. No, no. <laughs> I didn't bring the appropriate dress for it, I don't think. You're perfect. You are perfect. And I cannot wait for everyone to hear your story. It's going to be a good one, and we're going to jump into it in just a second. But first, I want to ask everyone to help our show out by taking a few minutes to leave a review in iTunes. We love those five-star reviews. Five stars are good. I'd like to thank Jennifer, who recently left this one. She said, I've been enjoying the Permian Perspective podcast hosted by Krista Escamilla. The guests all have a lot of knowledge in the oil and gas industry, and specifically the Permian. I really enjoy hearing that things are picking up for our industry. And boy, Jennifer, so do we. (laughs) Thank you, Jennifer, for those kind words. And of course, thank you so much for listening and leaving that review. All right. So once again, we are here with Marlea Sleeman. Marlea, thank you so much for taking this time today. Let's talk, first of all, how you got in the oil and gas industry. Oh, wow. That's a fun story. So I was working with a construction group of companies and we were expanding our portfolio of businesses and had an opportunity to go buy an industrial sound business. So this is 17 years ago. At that point, you know, we had done work in the energy industry, doing some construction services and things like that. But buying this industrial sand facility in Canada really gave us the opportunity. And so frac sand was just really changing at that point in terms of consumption per well. And obviously, you know, if you're thinking back in 2004 days in Canada, it was still all vertical wells. It wasn't horizontal wells and the consumption that we have today, but it was about to get there very quickly. And so that's how we entered the energy industry. Fantastic. And you have really expanded. I mean, you went quickly. You were in Canada. You said you were also in the Dakotas. Tell us a little bit about how you made your journey here to the Permian. Yeah, so I guess about three years ago, we were really working on a commercial product for last mile solution for Fraxan. And so obviously working in Canada, that was our first steps and our first jobs occurred then. And it's been a very interesting time period. So 2019, Mm -hmm. having launched our first units, and quickly, we saw interest on the other side of the border. And we maybe hadn't anticipated that would be quite as quick as it was, because the trucking configurations are quite a bit different here in what is used in the patch. 
but it was awesome. We started working in North Dakota with one of our customers there, and it was inevitable that we were going to come and make our way down here, but very happy to be here. It's a wonderful state, a wonderful place to go be working. What are the biggest differences? What do you see so far? Oh, oh, let me see. There's, uh, <laughs> I'd like to say there's no snow, but <laughs> I guess that's only true some years. Right. Sometimes. So, <laughs> yeah, no, we've had snow since we've been here, and I would like to just make sure everyone knows I did not cause that. That's right. You did not bring this from Canada. <laughs> I had that kind of power. Wow. No. So, I mean, I would say that the weather is a big difference and the trucking configuration is a pretty substantial difference. So in Canada, all of the frac sand is hauled by bottom dump like pretty much exclusively. It would be an unusual event when that's not the case. And it's changing here. But so I'd say be those combination of things. And then as well, there's primarily local sand used here. So it's hotter, but it's not really that different otherwise. Other, other than that, it's sand. And you have produced a product that I was just watching the video that's on your website. Very cool. Tell us why your product is better and why this works so well here in the Permian. Well, so I, I think that there's a number of things that people see right away. The number of loads that get hauled into a site allow it to be pretty nimble so we can rig in and rig out very quickly and get pre-filled in a quicker time period than the average sound systems can. So you don't need multiple systems to go support one crew. I'd say that's probably one of the big differences. I think that the other differences are throughput. And we're really built to go and do some of the leading work out there. So in Canada, we did some dual frack work with one single system and hit tonnages of 7,600 tons a day sustained. And we would have hit higher, but there were some interruptions on the well site. So I think that is a huge differentiator. And as we see things getting more and more intense in terms of prop and intensity on a daily basis here it's going to go and require a system like ours. And we're really happy to be here and support the energy industry to get there. Well, we're happy that you're here. And I know that your company has, I'm sure, seen a lot of changes through 2020 because we've, we all experienced 2020. You and I were talking about it that day that it hit negative numbers. Where were you at that day, the day it hit? Yeah, I was in my office. So we're an essential services business. So we were still working. But by this point, I'd already developed like a complete addiction to news channels while I was working. And so I'm watching BNN and I'm just watching the price fall. And I'm on a conference call with another Texan who is one of our vendors here. And he wasn't watching it, but I kept him updated. And to go watch it drop $50 was shocking. But you never forget that. You never forget that day. Never. No. Happy to report, though, today we're at $62.95. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, nothing fixes a low oil price like a low oil price. <laughs> Isn't that what they say? I think that's what they say. That's mm-hmm. a good point. So what did you learn the most through through that year and that is helping you now going into 2021? Well, I would say that I think, you know, I can't say we were fortunate because it's a tough decision to go and make, but to go and manage, you know, one's balance sheet in a very protective manner to make sure it's extremely strong because you don't know what these downturns are going to look like and how long they're going to last. And I don't know if anyone ever imagined they would be this deep. So we were in a position where that just was our corporate culture. That was just how we ran all of our businesses. Mm -hmm. So I think that put us in a position to 
go and continue to improve our business, improve our processes, and really think deeply about how we were going to go manage recovery when we were so fortunate as to be able to be part of it. I would say that as a takeaway, I we never expected it to be this challenging and this low and this much of an impact. And so I probably imagine that it's just something we're going to keep with us. Now, you've been here in the Permian for, you said, several months now. You came mm-hmm. in November. I've been calling it the buzz in the basin. Sorry to everyone that's tired of me saying that because <laughs> I say it a lot, but it is. Compared to a year ago, there is a buzz in the basin. What are you seeing in your industry and in your business that really gives you hope that things are moving and and we're busy again? Yeah, I'd say the activity levels there, I think it's just very different. And, you know, one of the things about being in this industry is you have to be ready for change. And it happens very rapidly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you start thinking about just the whole start of horizontal wells is not that long ago, but there is every year such step changes in what they do. And the producers, you know, are really focused on, I guess, just thinking about things differently. I see that you know, I, I work a lot of my time in various industries, but in the energy industry, I see this move to be quite fast by comparison with some of the other ones. So keeping ahead of that is always a challenge, but the activity levels are rising. How it gets done is changing and what that needs to look like on a daily basis, what you need to be able to achieve daily is getting a lot more intense. So it's it's fun. It's fun to keep up with that. When you say it's changing, are you talking technology? Are you talking just the fast-paced nature of the business with more activity? How is it changing? Yeah, so I would say that the amount of production, I mean, obviously those numbers are well published, but how that gets done is different now. So, you know, a lot of people moving to higher intensity. So whether it's, you know, moving to simulfracs, we're even seeing twin fracs and dual fracs. And Figuring out what that looks like, it still requires a lot of the same equipment, but operated very, very differently to go and achieve those daily milestones. Mm -hmm. What about hiring? What are your projections on hiring, you know, and, and growth in your own company? Oh, yes, that's definitely been a challenge because things have moved <laughs> yes. very quickly for us here. And I, and I think, you know, you've cited some of the challenges being that we were operating in Canada and North Dakota and now coming down here. Fortunately, we have an incredible staff and we're very, very, very lucky. We appreciate them um, tremendously. And it's been a change. Uh, they've had to think about where they're going to be and what that looks like and very differently. And for a lot of them had never worked in these areas, but they've been adapting. I know that summer for some of them is going to be quite the challenge. It's hot here. <laughs> a lot hotter than Canada, I'm assuming. <laughs> a whole lot hotter. So fortunately, North Dakota is actually pretty hot in the summer as well. Yeah. So I think some of them have have become somewhat conditioned to it. But right. you are right. It's never too hot in Canada. It's it's <laughs> I can't say that it's never too cold. But. Right, right. I've heard I've heard some of those numbers. And for, mm-hmm. I, I get cold just thinking about it. But Oh, it's uh, a dry cold. A dry cold? Oh, it's okay, a dry, dry cold. cold. It makes it better. And you stay inside, I'm thinking, or, or as much as you can, yeah. unless you're working outside. Probably like <laughs> summer in the Permian. Yes, exactly. Well, let's talk a little bit about cycle to cycle. Technology does change cycle to cycle. Mm-hmm. And I know you were telling me how things have changed within you know your own industry. Where do you see the technology of what you do? Do at Catapult Solutions going in the future? Yeah, I think that's something that I've heard a lot of debate about recently. And I think a lot of people wonder, what is it ever going to look like? And 
what is the maximum going to be on, you know, a specific well or a pad or something like that. I'd say that at some point you end up butting up against a physical limitation called the road. And, (laughs) you know, once you can't actually get more trucks on it, that is your limitation. Mm -hmm. We're built for that. So that's the fortunate part. So having put incredible throughput through, I don't know how much further it can go from that. But when I think about only like four or five years ago, We've done numbers that are 10 times the amount of work that would have been done on a big day four or five years ago. And so it's interesting. I think we're just going to have to keep evolving and make sure that we manage our abilities and our capacity accordingly. But we're excited to be part of the conversation. I know environment is important to you. And what is it that you wish the rest of the world would know about our industry and how important it is to us in the industry as well? Wow, that's a big question. (laughs) It is a big one. That is a big question. (laughs) You know, I think it's really interesting because there's a lot of messages that I'm not sure are getting all the way across. Obviously, I live on this planet and want to protect it too. So I don't think that there is this battle between energy and the environment. I think they go perfectly hand in hand. And I think that There is not necessarily the same kind of analysis on the entire life cycle of some of the other energy that is marketed out there. And if one were to go and take a look at all of those things, we're not as far apart as we think that we are. What I do think is really interesting and impressive is that if we can go and manage some of the goals that we hear everyone talking about with ESG, that we can probably get a lot closer with the traditional energy production to matching those same numbers. And I think that it's going to take a great amount of collaboration to go and do that. But there is technologies that are out there and that are emerging. And to the extent at which we go manage some of the governance things that will go and support those things happening, I could see where our traditional sector becomes a green leader all together in this. So I think it takes all forms. There's a lot of reasons why you choose one over the other, but I don't think that we can go and just throw away a discussion that really revolves around accessible and reliable and affordable energy as being key underpinnings to anything that the world without all of the first world comforts that we have, including the accessibility of affordable and reliable energy. Right. You know, we can't forget that those are going to inform parts of what they choose when they select their energy sources. Very good. Let's talk a little bit about your journey and your path in this industry. I love seeing so many women. You're you're the president of your company. I think that is fantastic. I just, I love that we are seeing more women in our industry. What have been the biggest challenges for you in that journey? You know, that's so interesting because people always assume it is. And I would actually say that for me because I was doing this very, very long ago when it was unique. And I thought it was the best advantage of my career to be not only young, but female in a room. Everyone wanted to know why I was there. They always had assumptions which were wrong, but it always led to a conversation. So I got introduced to pretty much anyone I could have wanted to earlier in my career than I would say other younger male counterparts had. So I never really saw it as being a challenge. I think that if the question is, do you need to know what you're talking about? Do you need to be an expert in your field to go and do well? Yes, but you need to do that no matter who you are, what cultural, racial, or you know, gender background you are from. It doesn't yeah. really matter. 
Awesome. What advice would you give to someone that is wanting to follow in your footsteps and says, you know, I want to be the president of a company someday. What advice would you give to them that could help them in their journey? Wow, there's so much advice that you could give. But probably one of the things that I would tend to really maybe focus on or maybe would have given myself the advice when I was 25 years old probably would have been that you need to not be afraid to go and take up space. But you also have to be the subject matter expert. You have to go and get involved and understand it very, very deeply to be taken seriously. So it's a combination. But once you do, don't hold back and solve problems. I think it's pretty much as simple as that. I love that. I think that's fantastic. And I, th- I think it's so important to know what you know. <laughs> you can't just <laughs> go in there and, and try to wing it. You need to study it and you need to know it and you need to dive into it and, and immerse yourself into the industry, no matter what part of the industry it is. With that said, what kind of periodicals do you like to listen to or how do you feed yourself with this industry? Is it podcasts? Is it news? Is it magazines? What do, what do you listen to? Oh, well, I don't know that I listen to an awful lot. I read an awful lot. So everything from all kinds of energy industry articles that come to me daily and some news feeds that I do. My staff keeps me up to date. If they hear some snippets, they'll share them. And I think that's fantastic. I read a lot and on various topics because I think this world is so small and the gears that turn it are so interconnected. So even though we don't think that it's relevant right now because it's a different industry, there's an Mm -hmm. applicability that really helps you go and become laser focused on a problem that you have in your organization that maybe you didn't realize you had until you kind of read something about it and saw the mirror. Yes, couldn't agree more. (laughs) So what, what about, you know, that you're reading? What is it that you're reading that keeps you informed on those? Yeah. So the energy articles, like I spend a lot of my time in Canada. There's also industry association ones where they are sending it out. So everything from API information to just the general articles, I think is fantastic. I listened to some of the podcasts. There's a number of women in energy ones, which are fantastic. (laughs) And some great groups that have come out of there. And they also have really interesting webinars Mm -hmm. on various different topics, everything from problems that you might encounter in a well to some of the other challenges like ESG and some of the social pieces. So fantastic group of leadership and attended not just by women. So, you know, for any men listening to this, it is just some pretty passionate people who are willing to go and dig in and find great speakers. Fantastic. What about books? Do you have a a book that has really kind of stood out in your life that has helped form you or shape, you know, maybe giving you those little tidbits of information that you use daily? I would say that probably Five Dysfunctions of a Team was maybe one of the ones that made me think about separating in a lot of cases, performance from patronage or performance from behavior even, and thinking about the team dynamics and the priorities. It's a very fast read and it's extremely fast. Like you could probably read it in five or six hours, but it had such punch in that short period of time. I recommend it for anyone. That's my kind of book. Mm -hmm. Short, got a punch, (laughs) you learn something, and you can keep going with your day. Let's say the title one more time. Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Five Dysfunctions of a Team. I haven't heard that one. And so I'm so excited. I love those kind of books because I really think, just like a podcast, I love hearing any little nugget that can help me to maybe run our organization better or our team better or that I can use in our family, anything. You know, I always, I'm always looking for those little nuggets. So I can't wait to read that book. That's going to be fantastic. What about a quote? Do you have a favorite quote that you live by? 
Well, I have so many favorite quotes, but I yes, think one that's pretty girl. I knew good. you were a quote girl. I could tell when you walked in. I am too. <laughs> I'd say right now there's a great one. And that's it's something to the fact that no one can guarantee you job security except a satisfied customer. And I would throw a couple words on the back end of that and say, who can pay their bills? <laughs> <laughs> that's good. <laughs> so um, I like that. No, but I think that's an important one. The, you know, customer focus is something that I don't know what downturn or upturn you could be going through where that isn't true. Absolutely. Yes, so true. It's all about the customer. It is. What about a business tool? Do you have a favorite business tool that you've used through the years that has helped you get to the level of success that you're at today? Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. I mean, I, I don't know how it could be anything more than the power of emails and ability to go and really communicate clearly, simply, and broadly as you might need. I don't know if I could come up with a better one than that. That's my favorite yep. tool. The communication, it is. It, and I think it is one that sometimes we we kind of take for granted sometimes. We just think, oh, they know what we mean. No, they don't know you, what you mean unless you tell them what you mean. <laughs> or they don't know if you don't send that email. Or they don't know if you don't pick up the phone and call, <laughs> you know, which I love a good old-fashioned phone call to me. That's what I did yesterday to you, actually. I, when I reached out to you and I was like, hey, let's sit down and have a podcast. Tell me about yourself. And I think that that is really one of the best tools that you can utilize in business. And I don't know, in this fast-paced technology world, sometimes we forget. Just well, call. I think especially with how accessible data is, sometimes you forget that not everyone will see it the same way or not everyone's looking at it. And that is the beauty of making sure that there is some personal interaction. Yes. When I did call you yesterday and you thought about it and you came in this morning, is there anything that I have not had a chance to ask you that you thought, oh, I really want that? I want them to know that about Catapult or about your journey and that I maybe I haven't asked you yet. Hmm. I don't know that I can think of something specific. I would say that, you know, the one thing that I maybe haven't said is I think it's really difficult sometimes to go and remember that we should be extremely, extremely proud of what we do in this industry. We have changed lives. And when you start thinking about, you know, the order of civilization, the very first thing that you need to go and bring to any any group of people anywhere to go and foster human development is affordable, reliable energy. And we're part of that. And I know it's it can be easy to go and forget that we should be extremely proud, but we really, really should be. I think that there are things that we are going to continue to go and do better in our industry all the way around. You know, like with Catapult, when, one of the things that we are able to go and enable is higher payloads and therefore increased environmental performance and help our customers get closer to their ESG goals. I think that's important. That's just one step. There's a million other things that we're going to continue to do, but I don't think that we should forget about the great things that we have achieved to go and create affordable energy for billions of people in the world. That is a huge, huge, huge impressive outcome. Yes. And so, you know, just I'd say keep our chins up. Remember why we're doing this and keep getting better. I like that. And I think that is important because sometimes it's easy to go, oh, you know, if you if you listen to the outside voices and you need to you need to listen to your own voice sometimes and go, you know what, I'm doing a good job. I'm doing something to help the world and I need to be proud of that. 
And we will get better by doing more of it. We yes. need to, you know, it's we can't get better unless we're, you know, getting our team on the ice or getting it on the field or whatever. I mean, that's how we're going to go and get better, mm-hmm. not by stopping. So I think we need to absolutely listen to things that we hear from the outside world and let them go and affect better choices that we go make and solutions and technology that we will go and create and enable and all of those things. But at the end of the day, what we have done as an industry is incredibly impressive. Absolutely. Is there any major change you would like to see within our industry? Well, I would say that that's a longer conversation, which <laughs> you and I have whole, had, but I think that's a whole, whole other podcast. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so we will make this a part two another day. How's yes, that? <laughs> I think that's a great idea. Well, I have really enjoyed this time with you. Thank you so much for sharing. If someone wants to reach out to you, how can they get a hold of you? And how can they see you on social media and on the web? Yeah, well, I'm on LinkedIn, so I'm pretty easy to get hold of there. And certainly they can reach out to us at Catapult. So I'm pretty easy to get hold of. I I don't know if anyone's ever had a hard time, but it's Marlea (laughs) catapultsolutions.com. So I'm happy to hear from anyone. And it's catapultsolutions.com. That's it. It That is is easy to to find. And I really thank you for this time today and sharing with us. I've loved hearing your perspective on what's happening here in the Permian and in our industry. And I wish you much success in the the future. And I know you're going to do great things here. So thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you. And thank you for the great work you do with the podcast. Thank you. Well, we are now going to announce our community MVP. And this week's MVP is the City of Midland and Pioneer Natural Resources. Sources. The City of Midland recently finished the expansion of its water reclamation facility. This $134 million project was actually started back in June of 2018. Do you remember that? I know I do. And they just completed it last month. Yay! The project team included City of Midland, Pioneer Water Management, HDR Engineering, Jacobs Engineering, PLW Waterworks, and Acme Electric. Again, thank you and congratulations on being this week's community MVP. And another special thank you to our sponsor, NOV. As you know, NOV powers the industry that powers the world. To stay up to date with the latest on what they're up to in the Permian and beyond, you can follow NOV on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NOV Global or on LinkedIn at NOV. Also be on the lookout for an upcoming podcast, Insight Out with Asad Mohana, and that will be coming soon to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Also, I know many of you have been entering. Thank you, thank you. And I hope that you win. Good luck to you. But remember, you can win a combination briefcase backpack convertible bag that will take you from the field to the office. And you can do that by entering the weekly giveaway at nov.com slash Permian. Again, a special thank you to our guest today, Marlia. We really enjoyed you being with us today and just think it's fantastic all the things you're doing with Catapult Solutions. And for all of you listening, we just thank you for sharing this time. Please forward this on to your colleagues, your coworkers, your friends. Remember, we are all in this together. And the more we can pass on great information, the better we can all be. Thanks again for joining us. You make it a great day. Oh, and don't forget, remember, dream big, believe, and never give up. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for May 2021. This month, we have four events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our online events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our in-person event, which is the 20YPO's networking mixer at the Houston Club on May 25th. 
Next, we have our three online events, the Post-Industrial Summit Series from May 4th to June 22nd, the Data Fabric and Data Ops webinar on May 5th, and the Maritime Career Day hosted by Women Offshore on May 21st. Other than these events, OGDN has a live stream this month titled Identifying and Evaluating Advantaged Oil Projects on May 5th. So make sure to check that out on our Facebook, LinkedIn, or OGGN.com for more information. You can also find more information about that or any of the live streams or events we have coming up also on Facebook, LinkedIn, or OGGN.com. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for May. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week for another episode of Permian Perspective, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at www.oggn.com.